Thank you for checking out this resource from Grace Chapel. If you're interested in finding more resources or you'd like to donate to our ministry, you can do so by going to gconline.org forward slash watch. So today we're going to talk about the fact that when life doesn't make sense. Have you ever had moments where life just does not make sense? Yeah, you've been there. I've been there. The truth is there are moments in life where things we, we go through or things that we've heard, we ask questions. We either ask them or we think them. And I want you just to think about this. Have you ever said this? If I were God, I would have done it differently. Mm-hmm. You ever said that? If I were God, I would have done it differently. The truth is we've either uttered it or we've thought it. Because there are a lot of things in life that are very confounding. We don't understand, we get glimpses of, and they don't make sense. We see tragedy happen, we see injustice at times just go undeterred, we see evil triumph over good, and, and we have those questions in those moments, where is God? If God is who you say he is, where is he in the middle of this? And I don't know about you, but I've had those moments where I've, I've said those things. God, where are you in the middle of this? And it's not bad to have feelings like that. We are human. But whatever thoughts and feelings we have in that regard, what's critical is that we guide them to a good answer. So today, I want to take you to Luke chapter 24. And I want you to learn with me from the disciples in their journey. Because here's a group of guys after the crucifixion are in the upper room and they're there in fear. They're there in disbelief. They have more questions than they have answers. They have no idea what forward looks like in their life. They have no idea. The miracle worker, the great teacher, he's dead. And in that moment, they were just, they were paralyzed. They were gripped by fear. And we get to encounter it. We get to look into their story so it helps inform our story. So in Luke chapter 24, we'll read down through the first 12 verses. We'll make some observations through this entire chapter today. Because I want you to hear again his words more than mine. And in Luke chapter 24, he says this, But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. Don't you love that? Couple studs for angels, right? <laughs> And it says, and they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground. And the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. This next word is the word that we're going to focus on today. And I want you to really grab a hold of it. And it's the word remember. The angels say this, remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and crucified, and on the third day rise. 
And then listen to these responses of the ladies. It says this, And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told them these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose, and he ran to the tomb, and stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths, and by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. We're going to key in on that word today, and that is remember. Remember is an important word as we go through some of the challenges in life. And we'll see here that what the angels said was, first of all, remember Jesus' words. Remember his words. When you're faced with this doubt, with this disbelief, with all these questions, hold on to the words that Jesus has uttered. There are a lot of people when you're going through tough times will give you advice, they'll give you counsel, they'll try to give you direction, they'll try to encourage you, and that's all good. The greatest counsel you could ever get is from the God who created you, the one who knows you, the one who formed you. Hold on to his words. And it's during the darkest moment of the disciples' lives, to that point, every dream that they had was dashed. And the angels, in dazzling apparel, always love that, they said, hold on to the words that Jesus spoke to you. Hold on to them. It's interesting, as we look at this, it took me back to a passage of Scripture written by Solomon wisest man that has lived. And he said this in Proverbs chapter 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. There are a lot of things that go through our minds at times, but we need to give direction to them and say, God, when I don't understand, I trust you. And you go, well, I don't know. That kind of feels like blind faith. That feels like all this stuff. Listen, I want you to hear this. Either he is a good God or he's not God. Mm-hmm. Let's throw it down. That is the truth. Either he is the risen king or he's not a king. We have to get this right because that informs every other thought that we have. So we need to remember Jesus' words when life doesn't make sense. These women, when they were told that, it says they, they were in wonder, they were in awe, but you know what? They didn't come to a point of belief because they had heard the angels speak, but they didn't see the risen Jesus, still didn't change their uh, mind completely. It gave them a sense of hope, but that hope did not have a firm foundation yet. And so they went, and then they shared it with the disciples. With joy, they were so excited. We're going to tell you what we just, we just saw a couple angels. You're like, ladies, have you been tipping a few back? You know what's been happening? You've been seeing ghosts? What's going on? And so here we pick up the story. And I want you to see the next part. It's not just remember Jesus' words when life doesn't make sense. 
but remember Jesus' plan when evil seems to triumph. You see, when evil goes undeterred, we often wonder where is God in all of this? And as those angels told the women and the women went back and told the disciples, what did they say? Oh, thank God. You know, thank God. Oh, we're so excited. He's risen. No, they said, quit joking with us, man. Don't be doing that. You know we're down already. You know we're discouraged. Our whole life is ruined. Our future is completely unknown. And you're going to tell us that? It says they believed it to be an idle tale, a falsehood, something to be untrue. And then they saw Jesus. And it changed everything. Everything about their today and everything about their eternity. It's interesting that we walk into this situation. It's the most devastating moment of the disciples' life. Think about it. The king, the prophet, the miracle worker, the great teacher, the one that drew multitudes is now dead. The most devastating moment of their life. And then these women come and give them a sense of hope, or they try to, and they just can't embrace that. Why? And I want you to hear this. This is so critical. There is no greater skeptic to the resurrection to that point than the disciples themselves. If there's one thing they didn't doubt, the disciples never doubted that Jesus was dead. They never doubted that. They had doubts regarding his resurrection, but they never doubted he was dead. The cruel, gruesome, horrible death that he died, they never questioned. The resurrection they questioned. Rightfully so. They never seen it. I mean, who could rise from the dead? It would have to be the Son of God. It would have to be God in the flesh. And it changed everything that day. You see, when we are confronted with this, it helps us understand how to give guidance to sometimes our disbelief, sometimes our doubt. And I want to take you to a passage of Scripture, and I want you to hold on to a phrase. And I think it's important because remember I said Remember Jesus' plan when evil seems to triumph because we are blinded by the evil around us. It overwhelms us. When we see the world going in such a bad direction, anybody relate to that? Uh, we see all of this happen, and you're going, where is God? Man, we need you to show up in a big way. And we have, you know, friends that are, you know, not believers, and they come, where's your God in the middle of this? Why isn't he doing this, and why isn't he doing that? And the reality is we feel the weight of that. Why? Because we want him to show up and do this too. But he reminds us here in this passage, remember my plan in the darkest of moments. Don't forget my plan. As he does this, he's walking the next part of this passage. He's walking with two of the disciples on the road to Emmaus, and he shrouds his identity. He hides his identity from them so that he can interact with them without them knowing. Wouldn't that be kind of cool? 
If you had the power to do that, you can be, you ever say, I wish I was a fly on the wall? Or is that just my generation? <laughs> oh, snap. It is my generation. Anyways, it's a cool saying, saying, I wish I could hear what's going on outside of my ability to actually hear it. And here Jesus has this moment with two of the disciples, and listen to what he says. In verse 25, it says, And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow to heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. He's telling them, listen, guys, this was the plan. This is why I came. This is the mission. This is the plan. He continues in verse 36. And he says this. They were in the upper room. These two go to the upper room. They tell the disciples, like the, the women came back initially and told the disciples, hey, we, the, the, the tomb is empty. Jesus is risen. They're like, yeah, all right. Sure he is. And so these two come back. Jesus reveals himself to them. And he comes back and, and they go, hey, we just encountered Jesus. He's alive. They go, yeah, right. He's alive. What, what's, what's going on? And this is where we pick up the story. Luke chapter 24, verse 36, and it says, And they were talking about these things, and Jesus himself stood among them. And he said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they had saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me. And see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they were still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything to eat? I'm like, they're like freaked, and he's wanting food. This is cool, right? Well, he says... Have you anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. This is, remember I said, remember the plan. Remember the plan. Listen to this. He said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law and Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that Christ should suffer, and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of all sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Remember the plan. He takes them back so that he can meet them in their disbelief, in their doubt, in their, all their questioning. He says, don't forget the plan. In the darkest moments of life when we experience trouble and tragedy and hardship and things that make no sense, he says to us the same thing. Remember the plan. And I want you to just for a moment think about this. It's important, and I think it's important because if you don't understand the plan, the process will be very confusing. I hear Christians all the time talking about, man, 
I, I just wish life could be like this. And I, I, they, they want heaven on earth. The whole idea is that everything is just made right here. And God says, no, earth is a place where sin abounds. And this, this is a place that has been cursed. Death is real. Sin is real. Disease is real. All of these things, you have the prince and the power of the air, Satan himself, that is over this moment of time. And yet we often look for everything just to go well. And in John 16, he says, you know, in this world, you will have beautiful days of sunshine and just, you know, flowers growing up and your bank account will be full and your health, you'll feel better than ever. No, he says, in this time, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. We have to remember that Jesus said, understand the plan so you don't get discouraged in the process. I was thinking about baking a cake. What if you try to eat it halfway through? You know, halfway through the preparation process. You know, like, you know, flour and eggs and that's all I know. <laughs> flour and eggs, or maybe it's just water and whatever, the box. You pour it in there and you stir it. Uh, you know, I know people like cookie dough, so I couldn't use cookies as an example. But if halfway through the cake, you know, you start going, okay, the cake is ready. Would you like some? And you start serving it in bowls halfway through. People aren't going to be like, you're the best, man. I love you. This is really unique, but oh, so good, especially the powdery, you know, baking powder or whatever it is. No, you're not going to do that. Why? Because the purpose was this. You had to go through the process to get to the plan. And the plan was a fully baked cake. We have to understand life also is that way, that when we understand what God has said in his word about the life that we now experience, just like the disciples didn't understand the darkness of Jesus' suffering, his gruesome death, and all the mockings, all the scourgings, all the abuse, all the false accusation, you go, I can't stand the process. And he says, don't forget the plan. The process makes sense when we understand the plan, the mission. Jesus didn't come to be a great prophet. He didn't come to be just a king. He didn't come to work miracles. He didn't come to be a great teacher. He came to redeem us from our sins. And it took all those dark days to bring the, the beauty of the most glorious day. I was thinking about this in some respects. How many people like the Super Bowl? You guys football people? How many of you like golf? No, I don't know what. There was only like 10 hands went up, and I'm like, that illustration is not going to fly. <laughs> it's okay. I'm going to use it. You're at the Super Bowl. I love inviting people to my house on the Super Bowl, especially if my team's playing, because I, I love sparring verbally back and forth. I am going to verbally rip your team down. I'm going to talk all kinds of trash to you. But the problem becomes if we're at the end of the third quarter and my team's down by four touchdowns, I'm not quite as bold then, am I? 
I know that you're talking trash to me. It's not looking hopeful. What if, what if you knew how the game ended? How, what if you knew that, the, that your team would win? That due to circumstances, fumbles and all this, they scored four touchdowns and a field goal. Your team wins. Would it change the way you deal with the third quarter? You, you're right, it would. The truth is, I'd be in the third quarter going, just wait. It's coming. It's coming. I, I would be so excited. It was crazy. But I think we're, we're in the third quarter, and we're, we're waiting for the end. We don't understand that we're going through this moment in life that there's going to be challenges and tragedies and hardships and persecution and, and sin and sickness and suffering and all that. And we want heaven here. And he goes, it's the third quarter, people. But in the fourth quarter, Jesus wins. He wins. We win. He says, because I live, you will also live. When you place your faith in me, you have the hope of eternity. It changes your today, and it changes your eternity. Wow, man, I could get fired up if I don't watch it. We know how the game ends. The last thing I want you just to hold on to just for a moment is remember, first of all, Jesus' words. When life doesn't make sense. Remember also Jesus' plan, his mission, when it seems like evil is triumphing. The third one is this remember Jesus' resurrection is about you. You know, I think we come to these Sunday services and we observe it as something that happened in the past we have this sense of disconnect this understanding of information a celebration about Jesus and what he did years ago but I want you to know it's not just a story about him it's a story about you it's a story about you and I that this Jesus who died didn't die for himself he didn't do this to create some religion. He didn't start this, go through all of this for his own glory. He did it for you. The whole mission was to overcome the curse of sin from the very beginning and reunite us to the Father to give us the relationship God intended from the beginning. And the only way was that a perfect sacrifice would be given. But you know, if Jesus was still hanging on the cross, if he was buried in the grave, it'd be just like every other religion in the world. They have this idea about God. And their, their, their leader was amazing, but he died. And our king didn't stay in the grave. He lives. And he rose from the grave. And he reigns from heaven. Hallelujah. You see, the resurrection changed, changed everything. It validated that he was truly the son of God. It validated that the mission he came for redemption to take away our sins actually happened on the cross. I look at Good Friday like a check that was written to pay in full the debt, the sin debt of the world. The resurrection is like the bank account that makes it possible. The check can be cashed. It's backed up. 
The resurrection proves that everything that happened on the cross is something that can be trusted. So it validated his mission. It validated every word, every prophecy, every promise Jesus spoke, every teaching that he had. All of these words in scripture, we can put our confidence and our trust in. Why? Because of the resurrection. Paul said, listen, if you don't want to believe the resurrection, that's fine. But throw your faith out because you got nothing. Without the resurrection, he says, your faith is in vain. Quit playing the game. Quit wasting a couple hours. Don't go to church because it's all a waste. You're celebrating someone who's dead, something that doesn't matter. But if faith is real, if Jesus did rise from the dead, it's a game changer. It changes not just my eternity, and I know we, we focus a lot on that. It changes my every day. And so as we go through the third quarter, I don't go through it alone. Like Jesus didn't walk his journey to the cross alone. The Father was with him every step of the way. The Spirit empowering him, and we realize that as we go through those dark moments, that Jesus is with us, that his Spirit walks with us. We have to understand those realities. I was thinking about this. Two people... Two people in many respects are represented by the two thieves on the cross hanging next to Jesus. One who exercised faith and one who rejected faith in Jesus. Isn't life really made up of that? It's made up of you know, two people. Those who choose to believe Jesus and what he said and those who choose not to. And I want to speak to the those who believe, who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus as their Savior, I pray that this renews your hope, that the resurrection is a place that you can go to be renewed in your confidence and your boldness and your strength to believe that everything that you're walking through, there's a king that is still on the throne that you can trust in the darkest moments, in the darkest times, as the disciples were in that room and they had lost hope, the resurrection renews our hope. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Renews our hope. From the greatest skeptics to the greatest martyrs, the disciples never doubted Jesus' death. There are greatest skeptics to the resurrection, and yet when they encountered the living Christ, you know what happened? They died for what they believed. They died a martyr's death because they believed in the resurrection. And I've had people come to me and they go, yeah, I've heard a lot of people die for, you know, causes that they believe in. I hear you. I see it. But people won't die for a lie. Not that they know. They're not going to be boiled in oil, have their head cut off, be pierced through with swords. They're not going to be filleted, crucified upside down because that's what happened to the disciples. You don't do that for a lie. You only do that because you have complete confidence. You have this unwavering belief that what you saw was true. And that's what gives us confidence today is that we can put our faith and our trust in the living King because it's not a story. It's a truth. Jesus has risen. 
to those who may be searching, those who are wondering, asking questions, ask the questions, search. Jesus said this, he who seeks me will find me. Go in with an open heart and an open mind and, and be willing to investigate the true claims of Jesus because he will meet you in that place. And maybe you're in that time where you say, you know, I, how do I actually believe? What do I believe? The whole story is pretty simple. From the very beginning, sin corrupted everything from the garden. Jesus' mission was to come and overcome sin, to pay the penalty for sin, to restore the relationship that God had with his creation. The only way that could happen was through a perfect sacrifice, and that perfect sacrifice was Jesus. And on his mission, he did that, and he said this, that when we trust in Jesus' sacrifice, he removes our sin as far as the east is from the west, and he restores us to a rightful relationship with God. You know what I hear from people all the time? Well, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? What you need to do is put your faith in what has already been done. This isn't about, you can't work your way to God. You can't do enough good morally. Should it change us from the inside out? Yes, but your good deeds can never make you right with God. Why? Because there's these sinful things that can't be removed. You can have a huge pile over here, but if you don't remove your sinfulness, God in his holiness cannot welcome us back to a rightful relationship with him. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 says this, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with your heart one believes and is justified and with your mouth one confesses and is saved. Listen, today we have shared truth of what Jesus has, has said that it's not whether it's true. It's kind of like gravity. You can believe whatever you want, but when you jump off that building, you're going down. And so with Christianity too, it's, it's like you can believe whatever. God gives you choice. So it's not whether this is true. The question is, is it true for you? Have you personalized this? Have you had Jesus come in and remove your sins? Have you placed your faith and your trust in him to be your savior and your Lord? Jesus' whole message was about that. Confess, repent, and come to me and find rest and find restoration. That's where we find not just eternal life, but that's where we find purpose in life. Let today be the day you find that. Would you bow in prayer with me? Father, it's in this place today that we just bow before you. If there are some here that have considered what it means to have a rightful relationship with you, God, let today be a moment for them where they do business internally. It's not our works, it's our heart posture. God, that belief that we have in our heart changes everything. And I pray, God, that there would be this moment where there are folks that would come to you and say, I'm placing my faith and trust in Jesus' finished work on 
the cross. I believe that he died for my sin. I believe that he rose from the grave and I'm placing my faith, my confidence in that to save me and restore me to a rightful relationship with my creator. My friend, if, if you express that to God, he honors that in heaven today. This is not about what you do for him. It's what he has already done for you. And so, Father, we just commit this time to you, and we ask that you would be glorified in everything that we say and do from this moment forward. In Jesus' name, amen.